The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, continuing the story of The Hobbit. Chapter 4 The Field of Cormallon. All about the hills, the host of Mordor raged. The captains of the west were foundering in a gathering sea. The sun gleamed red, and under the wings of the Nazgul, the shadows of death fell upon the earth. Aragorn stood beneath his banner, silent and stern, as one lost in thought of things lost past or far away. But his eyes gleamed like stars that shine the brighter as the night deepens. Upon the hilltop stood Gandalf, and he was white and cold, and no shadow fell on him. The onslaught of Mordor broke like a wave on the Belagreared hills, voices roaring like a tide amid the wreck and crash of arms. As if to his eyes some sudden vision had been given, Gandalf stirred, and he turned, looking back north where the skies were pale and clear. Then he lifted up his hands and cried in a loud voice ringing above the din, The eagles are coming! And many voices answered, crying, The eagles are coming! The eagles are coming! The host of Mordor looked up and wondered what this, sight, what this sign might mean. There came God here, the wind lord, and land rovel his brother, greatest of all the eagles of the north, mightiest of the descendants of old Thora, Thorondor, who built his eyries in the inaccessible peaks of the encircling mountains when Middle-earth was young. Behind them in long flights came all their vassals from the northern mountains, speeding on a gathering wind. Straight down upon the Nazgul they bore, stooping suddenly out of the high airs, and the rush of their wide wings as they passed over was like a gale. But the Nazgul turned and fled, and fl- vanished into Mordor's shadows, hearing a sudden terrible call out of the dark tower. And even at that moment all the hosts of Mordor trembled, Doubt clutched their hearts, their laughter failed, their hands shook, and their limbs were loosed. The power that drove them on and filled them with hate and fury was wavering. Its will was removed from them, and now looking in the eyes of their enemies, they saw a deadly light and, they, and were afraid. Then all the captains of the west cried aloud, for their hearts were filled with a new hope in the midst of darkness. Out from the bellagweird hills, knights of Gondor, riders of Rohan, Dunedain of the north, close serried companies drove against the wavering foes, piercing the press with the thrust of bitter spears. But Gandalf lifted up his arms and called once more in a clear voice, Stand, men of the west, stand and wait. This is the hour of doom. And even as he spoke, the earth rocked beneath their feet. Then rising swiftly far above the towers of the black gate, high above the mountains, a vast soaring darkness sprang into the sky, flickering with fire. The earth groaned and quaked. The towers of the teeth swayed, tottered, and fell down, the mighty rampart crumbled, the black gate was hurled in ruin, and from far away, now dim, now growing, now mounting to the clouds, there came a drumming rumble, a roar, a long echoing roll of ruinous noise. The realm of Sauron is ended, said Gandalf. The ring bearer has fulfilled his quest. And as the captains gazed south to the land of Mordor, it seemed to them that, black against the pall of the cloud, there rose a huge shape of shadow, impenetrable, lightning-crowned, filling all the sky. Enormous it reared above the world and stretched out towards them a vast threatening hand, terrible but impotent, for even as it leaned over them a great wind took it, and it was all blown away and passed, and then a hush fell. Their captains bowed their heads, and when they looked up again, behold, their enemies were flying, and the power of Mordor was scattering like dust in the wind. As when death smites the swollen, brooding thing that inhabits their crawling hill and holds them in, holds them all in sway, ants will wander whatless and purposeless and then feebly, feebly die. So the creatures of Sauron, orc or troll or beast spell enslaved, 
ran hither and thither mindless, and some slew themselves, or cast themselves in pits, or fled, wailing back to hide in holes in dark lightless places far from hope. But the men of Ruin and Harad, Easterling and Southron, saw the ruin of their war, and the great majesty and glory of the captains of the West, and those that were deepest and longest in evil servitude, hating the West, and yet were men proud and bold, and their turn not gathered themselves for a last stand of desperate battle. But the most part fled eastward as they could, and some cast their weapons down and sued for mercy. Then Gandalf, leaving all such matters of battle and command to Aragorn and the other lords, stood upon the hilltop and called, and down to him came the great eagle, Gwahir the Windlord, and stood before him. Twice you have borne me, Gwahir, my friend, said Gandalf. Thrice shall pay for all if you are willing. You will not find a burden much greater than when you bore me from Zerikigzil, where my old life burned away. I I would bury you. Okay. Sorry, I messed up. Twice you borne me, Gwahir, my friend, said Gandalf. Thrice shall pay for all if you are willing. You are not you will not find me burdened much greater than you when you bore me from Zerik to Ziggle, where my old life burned away. I would bury you, answered Gwahir, whether you will, even were you even were you made of stone. Then come and let your brother go with us, and some other your folk who is most swift, for we need of speed greater than any wind are matching the wings of the Nazgul. The north wind blows, but we shall outfly it, said Gwahir, and he lifted up Gandalf and sped away south, and with him went Landrival, and Meneldor, young and swift, and they passed over Undin and Gogoroth, and saw all the land in ruin and tumult beneath them, and before them Mount Doom blazing, pouring out its fire. I'm glad you are here with me, said Frodo. Here at the end of all things, Sam. Yes, I am with you, master, said Sam, laying Frodo's wounded head gently to his breast. And you're with me, and the journey's finished. But after coming all that way, I don't want to give up yet. It's not like me somehow, if you understand. Maybe not, Sam, said Frodo. But it's like things are in the world. Hopes fail, and end comes. We have only a little time to wait now. We are lost in ruin and downfall, and there is no escape. Well, Master, we could at least go further from this dangerous place here, from this crack of doom, if that's its name. Now couldn't we? Come, Mr. Frodo, let's go down the path at any rate. Very well, Sam, if you wish to go, I'll come, said Frodo, and they rose and went slowly down the winding road, and even as they passed towards the mountain's quaking feet, a great smoke and steam belched from the Samoth Nor, and the side of the cone was driven open, and a huge fiery vomit rolled in slow thunderous cascade down the eastern mountainside. Frodo and Sam could go no further. Their last strength of mind and body was swiftly ebbing. They had reached a low ashen hill piled at the mountain's foot, but from it there was no more escape. It was an island now, not long to endure, amid the torment of Oridrun. All about it the earth gaped, and from deep rifts and pits smoke and fumes leaped up. Behind them the mountain was convulsed. Great vents, great rents opened in its side. Slow rivers of fire came down the long slopes towards them. Soon they would be engulfed. A rain of hot ash was falling. They stood now, and Sam still holding his master's hand caressed it. He sighed. What a tale we have been in, Mr. Frodo, haven't we? He said. I wish I could hear it told. Do you think they'll say? Now comes the story of the nine-fingered Frodo in the Ring of Doom, and then everyone will hush like we did when in Rivendell they told us the tale of Bear in one hand in the Great Jewel. I wish I could hear it, and I wonder how it will go on after our part. But even while he spoke so, to keep fear away until the very last, his eyes still strayed north, north into the eye of the wind, 
to where the sky far off was clear as the cold blast rising to a gale drove back the darkness and the ruin of the clouds and so it was that Guahir sent them saw them with his keen far-seeing eyes as down the wind he came and daring the great peril of the skies he circled in the air two small dark figures forlorn hand in hand upon a little hill while the world shook under them and gasped and rivers of fire drew near and even as he espied them and came swooping down he saw them fall worn out or choked with fumes and heat or stricken down by despair at last hiding their eyes from death side by side they lay and down circle here and down came landreval and Men- menildor the swift and in a dream not knowing what fate had befallen them the wanderers were lifted up and borne far away out of darkness out of the darkness and the fire when sim awoke he found that he was lying on some soft bed but over him gently swayed wide beechen bows and through their young leaves sunlight glimmered green and gold all the air was full of a sweet mingled scent he remembered that smell the fragrance of a thillion bless me he mused how long have i been asleep for the scent had borne him back to the day when he had lit his little fire upon the sunny bank and for the moment all else between was out of waking memory he stretched and drew a deep breath why what a dream i've had he muttered i'm glad to be awake he sat up and then saw that frodo was lying beside him and slept peacefully at one hand behind his head and the other resting upon the coverlet it was the right hand and the third finger was missing full memory flooded back and sam cried aloud it wasn't a dream then where are we and a voice spoke softly behind him in the land of athelion and in the keeping of the king and he awaits you with that gandalf stood before him robed in white his beard now gleaming like pure snow in the twinkling of the leafy sunlight well master samwise how do you feel he said but sam lay back and stared with open mouth and for a moment between bewilderment and great joy he could not answer at last he gasped gandalf i thought you were dead but then i thought i was dead myself is everything sad going to come untrue what's happened to the world a great shadow has departed said gandalf and then he laughed and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land and as he listened the thought came to sam that he had not heard laughter the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count it fell upon his ears like the echo of all joys he had ever known but he himself burst into tears then as the sweet rain will pass down a wind of spring and the sun will shine out the clearer his tears ceased and his laughter welled up and laughing he sprang from his bed how do i feel he cried well i don't know how to say it i feel i feel he waved his arms in the air i feel like spring after winter and sun on the leaves and like trumpets and harps and all the songs i have ever heard he stopped and he turned to his master but how's mr frodo he said isn't it a shame about his poor hand but i hope he's all right otherwise he's had a cruel time yes i'm all right otherwise said frodo sitting up and laughing in his turn i fell asleep again waiting for you sam you sleepy head i was awake early this morning and now it must be nearly noon noon said sam trying to calculate noon of what day the fourteenth of the new year said gandalf or if you like the eighth day of april in the shire reckoning but in gondor the new year will always be will always now begin upon the twenty-fifth of march when sauron fell and when you brought out the of the fire to the king he has tended you and now he awaits you you shall eat and drink with him when you are ready i will lead you to him the king said sam what king and who is he the king of gondor and lord of the western land said gandalf and he has taken back all his ancient rome he will ride soon to his crowning but he waits for you
What shall we wear? said Sam, for all he could see was the old and tattered clothes that they had journeyed in, lying folded on the ground beside their clothes. The clothes that you wore on your way to Mordor, said Gandalf, even the orc rags that you bore in the black land, Frodo, shall be preserved. No silks and linens, nor any armor or heraldry could be more honorable, but later I will find some other clothes, perhaps. Then he held out his hands to them, and they saw that one shone with light. What have you got there? Frodo cried. Can it be? Yes, I have brought your two treasures. They were found on Sam when you were rescued, the Lady Galadriel's gifts, your glass, Frodo, and your box, Sam. You will, be you will be glad to have these safe again. When they were washed and clad and had eaten a light meal, the hobbits followed Gandalf. They stepped out of the beech grove in which they had lain and passed onto a long green lawn, glowing in sunshine, bordered by stately dark-leafed trees, laden with scarlet blossom. Behind them they could hear the sound of falling water, and a stream ran down before them between flowering banks, until it came to a greenwood at the lawn's foot and passed them on under an archway of trees, through which they saw the shimmer of water far away. As they came to the opening in the wood, they were surprised to see knights in bright mail and tall guards in silver and black standing there, who greeted them with honor and bowed before them. And then one blew a long trumpet, and they went on through the aisle of trees beside the singing stream. So they came to a wide green land, and beyond it was a broad river and a silver haze, out of which rose a long wooded isle, and many ships lay by its shores. But on the field where they now stood, a great host was drawn up, and ranks and companies glittered in the sun. And as the hobbits approached, swords were unsheathed, and spears were shaken, and horns and trumpets sang, and men cried with many voices and in many tongues. Long live the halflings, praise them with great praise. Siui firin anan, aglarni firinaf. Praise them with great praise, Frodo and Samwise, Dora Brahel, Conan and Anun. Allegrio, praise them, Allegrio, Latatati Latatati, and Dava Latuvalamet, praise them, Cormacorlandor, Alatatarena, praise them, the ring bearers, praise them with great praise. And so, the red blood blushing in their faces and their eyes shining with wonder, Frodo and Sam went forward and saw amidst the clamorous hosts were set three high seats built of green turves. Behind the seat, upon the right, folded, white on green a great horse running free upon the left was a banner silver upon blue a ship swan prove swan proud faring on the sea but behind the highest stone in the midst of all great standard was spread in the breeze and there a white tree flowered upon a sable field beneath a shining crown and seven glittering stars on the throne sat a milk-clad man a great sword was laid across his knees but he wore no helm as they drew near he rose and they, then they knew him changed as he was so high and glad of face kingly lord of men dark hair with eyes of grey frodo ran to meet him and sam followed close behind well if it isn't the well if this isn't the crown of all he said strider or i'm still asleep yes sam strider said argorn it is a long way is it not from brie where you did not like where you did not like the look of me a long way for us all but yours has been the darkest road and then, to Sam's surprise and utter confusion, he bowed his knee before them, and taking them by the hand, Frodo upon his right and Sam upon his left, he led them to the throne, and setting them upon it, he turned to the men and captains who stood by and spoke, so that his voice rang all over the host, crying, Praise them with great praise! 
and when the glad shout had swelled up and died away again, to Sam's final and complete satisfaction and pure joy, a minstrel of Gondor stood forth and knelt, and begged leave to sing. And behold, he said, Lo, lords and knights of men of valor and shame, kings and princes and fair people of Gondor, and riders of Rohan, and ye sons of Elrond, and Dunedain of the north, and elf and dwarf, and great hearts of the shire, and all free folk of the west, now listen to my lay, for I will sing to you of Frodo and of the nine fingers and the ring of doom. And when Sam heard that, he laughed aloud for sheer delight, and he stood up and cried, O great glory and splendor, and all my wishes have come true. And then he wept. And all the host laughed and wept, and in the midst of their merriment and tears, the clear voice of the minstrel rose like silver and gold, and all men were hushed. And he sang to them, now in the elven tug, now in the speech of the west, until their hearts wounded with sweet words, overflowed, and their joy was like swords. And they passed and thought out to regions where pain and delight flowed together, and tears are the very wine of blessedness. And at the last the sun fell from the noon, and the shadows of the trees lengthened. He ended. Praise them with great praise, he said and knelt, and then Argorn stood up. And all the hosts arose, and they passed the pavilions made ready to eat and drink and make merry while the day lasted. Frodo and Sam were led apart and brought to a tent, and there their old raiment was taken off, but folded and set aside with honor, and clean linen was given to them. Then Gandalf came, and in his arms the wonder of Frodo, he bore the sword and the elven cloak and the mithril cloak that had been taken from him in Mordor. For Sam he brought a coat of gilded mail, and his elven cloak all healed of the soils and hurts that it had suffered. And then he laid before them two swords. I do not wish for any swords, said Frodo. Tonight at least you should wear one, said Gandalf. Then Frodo took the small sword that had belonged to Sam and had laid at his side and Sareth Ungul. Sting I gave to you, Sam, he said. No, master, Mr. Bilbo gave it to you, and it goes with his silver coat. He would not wish anyone else to wear it now. Frodo gave way, and Gandalf, as if he were their esquire, knelt and girt the sword belts upon the, about them. And then rising, he set circlets of silver upon their heads. And when they were arrayed, they went to the great feast, and they sat at the king's table with Gandalf and King Eomer of Rohan, and the prince of Mihil, and all the chief captains, and there also were Gimli and Legolas. But when, after the standing silence, wine was brought there, came in two esquires to serve the kings, or so they seemed to be. One was clad in silver and sable of the guards of Minas Tirith, and the other in white and green. But Sam wondered what such young boys were doing in an army of mighty men. Then suddenly, as they drew near, he could see them plainly. He exclaimed, "'Why, look, Mr. Frodo, look here. Well, if it, is, if it isn't Pippin, Mr. Peregrine Took, I should say, and Mr. Merry, how they have grown, bless me, but I can see there's more tales to tell than ours.' "'There are indeed,' said Pippin, turning towards him, "'and we'll begin telling them as soon as this feast is ended. In the meantime, you can try Gandalf. He's not so close as he used to be, though he laughs now more than he talks. For the present, Merry and I are busy.' We are knights of the city of, and of the mark, as I hope you observe. At last the glad day ended, and when the sun was gone and the round moon rode slowly above the mist of Anduin and flickered through the fluttering leaves, Frodo and Sansa under the whispering trees among the fragrance of fair Athelion, and they talked deep into the night with Merry and Pippin and Gandalf, and after a while Legolas and Gimli joined them. There Frodo and Sam learned much of all that happened to the company after their fellowship was broken on the evil day at Parthgalen by Roras Falls, and so there was always more to ask and more to tell. Orcs and talking trees and leagues of grass and galloping riders and glittering caves and white towers and golden halls 
and battles and tall ship sailing all these passed before sam's mind until he felt bewildered but amidst all these wonders he returned away to his astonishment at the size of mary and pippin and he made them stand back to back with frodo and himself he scratched his head can't understand it at your age he said but there it is you're three inches taller than you ought to be or i'm a dwarf that you certainly are not said gimli but what did i say mortals cannot go drinking ent draughts and expect no more to come of them than a pot of beer ent draughts said sam there you go about ents again but what are they but what they are beats me why will it take weeks before we get all these things sized up weeks indeed said pippin and then frodo will have to be locked up in a tower in minus tirith and write it all down otherwise he will forget half of it and poor old bilbo will be dreadfully disappointed at that gandalf rose the hands of the king are our hands of healing dear friends he said but put you but you went to the very brink of death ere he recalled you putting forth all his power and sent you into the sweet forgetfulness of sleep and though you have indeed slept long and blessedly still it is now time to sleep again and not only sam and frodo here said gimli but you too pippin i love you if only because of the pains you cost me which i shall never forget nor shall i forget finding you on the hill of the last battle but for gimli the dwarf you would have been lost then but at least i now look know now the look of a hobbit's foot though it be all that can be hobbit's foot though it be all that can be seen under a heap of bodies and when i heaved that great carcass off you i made sure you were dead i could have torn out my beard and it was only a day yet since you were first up and abroad again to bed now you go and so shall i and i said the glass shall we walk in the woods of this fair land which is rest enough in days to come if my elven lord allows some of our folk shall remove hither and when we come it shall be blessed for a while for a while a month a life a hundred years of men but anduin is near and anduin leads down to the sea to the sea to the sea to the sea the white gulls are crying the wind is blowing and the white foam is flying west west away the round sun is falling gray ship gray ship do you hear them calling the voices of my people that have gone before me i will leave i will leave the woods that bore me for our days are ending and our years failing i will pass the wide waters lonely sailing long on the waves and the last shore falling sweet are the voices in the lost lost isle calling in aresia and elvenholm there are no that no man can discover where the leaves fall not land of my people forever and so singing legolas went away down the hill then the others also departed and frodo and sam went to their beds and slept and in the morning they rose again in hope and peace and they spent many days in athelion for the field of Cormelin, where the host was now encamped was near to henneth at noon and the stream that flowed from its falls could be heard in the night as it rushed down through its rocky gate and passed through the flowery meads into the tides of anduin by the isle of carandros the hobbits wandered here and there visiting again the places that they had passed before and sam hoped always in some shadow of the woods or secret glade to catch maybe a glimpse of the great oliphant and when he learned that at the siege of gondor there had been a great number of those beasts of these beasts but they but that they were all destroyed he thought it was a sad loss well one can't be everywhere at once i suppose he said but i missed the lot seemingly in the meanwhile the host made ready for the return of minas Tirith. the weary rested and the hurt were healed for some had labored and fought much with the remnants of the easterlings and southrons unit until all were subdued 
and latest of all those returned who had passed into Mordor and destroyed the fortresses in the north of the land. But at the last, when the month of May was drawing near, the captains of the west set out again, and they went abroad ship with all their men, and they sailed from Carindros down Anduin to Osgiliath, and there they remained for one day. And the day after they came to the green fields of the Pelennor, and saw again the white towers under tall Mindolian, the city of, of the city of the men of Gondor, last memory of Westerness, that had passed through the darkness and fire to a new day. And in there in the midst of the fields they sat up their pavilions and awaited, awaited the morning, for it was the eye of May, and the king would enter his gates with the rising of the sun.